1: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope you're having a great week. Back to the old. Roundtable episodes this week which I enjoy very much because we just press record we shoot the breeze Discuss the big stories in MMA the important stories going on in the world of mixed martial arts and there are a bunch of them I am Mike Heck, and I'm being joined by a man who might just be in the best mood He will ever be in on the show after he set the table for the Georgia Bulldogs football team and now he and the Bulldogs can proudly say that they are the reigning undisputed champions of their fields. Mr. Jed Michoud, the BTL champion of the universe. How are you, my man? Man, it
3: has been a good couple couple of weeks for your boy, Mike. It has been so good. Ending the year with being the only man alive to predict the greatest upset in the history (laughs) of mixed martial arts. That was a really strong start. And we should have known that something fancy and fun was in the air when that happened. And then it just it rolled right on through to this new year. All of my luck and happiness did not die in 2021. It has only gone up like a friggin' rocket ship because the Georgia Bulldogs, 41 years in the making, finally become the national champions of college football. Undisputed, we beat that ass. And you can't take it away. Look, I I say would be the first to go on the record. Bama is going to win the national championship next year. I would bet a sizable sum of money on that. But they can't take this one from us, just like you. And nobody can take Juliana Pena from me. So everything is great. Mike, how are you doing?
2: I am doing great, my man. And there is a lot to discuss. And I don't even know... Where to start with all of this, because a lot has happened in the world of MMA. A lot has happened since your coronation, Jed Mishu. But I guess we should start with the main event for UFC 272 in March, which we talked about last week. And there was a whole different event altogether, because last week we were talking Volkanovski versus Holloway. We're talking Sterling versus Jan, the rematch. Those were the top two fights that we talked about. And since then, like literally the next day, things began to change in a number of ways. And we'll discuss where three of those four individuals are going in a little while. But there is a new main event for UFC 272. It is Colby Covington versus Jorge Mazadal, Non-title fight, five rounds in Las Vegas. As far as I know, it is all but pen to paper at this point. How did you react to this news, Jed? Do, do you like this idea? Mazadal, Covington, non-title main event this early in the year? What are your thoughts on it?
3: Well, I think this makes all the sense in the world as a main event, all right I mean, Jorge Mosserol is one of the bigger stars in the sport. Colby Covington is relevant. I'm still honestly not sure to what degree Covington is a star because um, you can get some pretty different metrics on him depending on what you're looking at. Uh, but that is uh, is an enormous fight, and it makes sense to be the main event because, frankly, that fight has enough – built up into it there is so much story there that yeah you could have it be a co-main event but one it should be five rounds like there's no reason that that fight shouldn't be a five rounder and two only a handful of title fights would really be more important or more interesting to the public writ large than the finally getting the resolution to this longtime friend friend turn foe you know classic storyline there so i think having this as a main event makes may, like I said, makes all the sense in the world. Um, I don't know how interested I am in it. I am to certainly to some extent interested in it and what will be of it, but the fight itself may not be interesting. I think there's a super high chance that Colby Covington just kind of does the Colby Covington thing on Horry Masvidal for five rounds, but I'm still intrigued enough by it. And certainly everything else that's going to go into it is going to be interesting and relevant. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I would say I'm, the big thing detracting from me, and this is how you know that we're in the MMA media space because I am dead certain that nobody else cares about this. All of the ancillary here like that led into this is weird as shit, and I don't understand like why. We, I don't understand why they moved two title fights off this card when only one of them had to, quote-unquote, be moved. The Volkanovski Korean zombie fight, because of the short notice, they needed more time. But then they just chose to move Jan Sterling as well. Um, I guess they felt in their minds that those two fights were attached for some unknown reason. So that gives me pause and just makes me wonder. But otherwise, it's still a really good fight. And, I mean, the card probably needs a little bit of help. But that is a strong main event, certainly.
2: So... To, to answer the question of why things were moved, and I don't know this for 100% fact, but this is kind of the gauge that I've gotten from conversations with people who are in the know, it seems like the only way this fight was going to happen was if it happened in March. And I think it was just both guys, both teams basically saying, like, we'll do it, but it has to be on this card. And I think the UFC just kind of went with it and said, "Fine, we'll do this card. and We'll just move the other ones back a month because they didn't have a main event for April yet." So it just sort of it sort of lined up well, that did way. Why they have
3: to move them both? They could have just moved one, unless Kyoryan's right and the UFC just doesn't want Aljamain Sterling main eventing a, a card, um, which would be funny. I don't think it's true, but it <laughs> is a really funny thing for Kyoryan to say. I'll give him that. Um, like it just. That was all like a little hinky and odd, but it's fine. Like ultimately it doesn't matter. We are the result we're getting is the result. All of these things are what should have happened. Like Sterling Yan should happen. Whenever it happens, is fine. Uh, Masvidal Covington, obviously this is the fight that should have happened. Um, if they want to do it in March, cool, this is fine. And I think given the circumstances, Volkanovsky, Chan Sung Jung actually makes, I think that is also the fight that should have happened. Given the circumstances, of course, Holloway, number one with the bullet in in the contender list, but he gets injured. I think Sung Young makes the most sense to step in there because I know Giga Chikadze, who we're going to talk about in a minute, I'm sure. uh, I know he wanted to get in there, you know, assuming he gets a win this weekend, but don't go counting those chickens, number one and two. I don't want to see Giga come in short notice against Volkanovsky. You think that's just a recipe for getting his ass kicked when otherwise he could present an interesting title challenger down the line.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, and I'll expand upon that in a moment. But going back to Covington-Mazadol, I mean, listen, this fight had to happen at some point, no doubt about it. And sometimes in this sport, Jed, when these rivalries begin, it's, you know, it's like a relationship in high school or college. You know, you're a guy, you're a gal, you're living life, you meet this person, and it's really exciting. You're 18, 19 years old, but you want to explore the things. It's the, yes, this is Mr. Right, but not Mr. Right Now scenario. In this case, it is the exact opposite. This is more like you dated the same person off and on for three years. You want to move on, but it just keeps coming back, and you can't stay away from it. And that's where we are right now. And Colby Covington... I don't know how he's done this. He's found himself in a couple of these relationships, right? Covington and Tyron Woodley fought two, three years too late. So many missed opportunities to book that title fight. Colby won the damn interim title in 2018, and it still took more than two years to put those two guys in a cage. This is has some of that same feeling, but at the same time, I'm with you. This is the biggest fight you can make for both guys right now. This is the biggest fight you can make in the division right now. Maybe you can make an argument for Usman versus Hamzat, but maybe Hamzat needs to get out of the wind. But the casual MMA fans are going to eat this up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The build to this fight, which is less than two months away, will be uber chaotic. The fight week will probably get pretty ugly. So, yeah, if you need a main event that doesn't have a Conor McGregor or a Nate Diaz or a Habib Murmaga Madoff, even to some extent John Jones, this works, and this, Jed, probably does pretty well on pay-per-view, in my opinion. I think this is going to do pretty a lot better than a lot of people think it's going to do on pay-per-view.
3: I think it's going to do just fine on pay-per-view. I mean, Mosfidal, like I said, Mosfidal is a star. I am not sure whether Colby Covington is a star, but he is a known commodity, and they have the thing to sell this fight on. You're totally right. The build-up here, I think the next month will be mostly quiet because we have seen historically... Colby gets pretty quiet while he's legitimately preparing for bouts. Um, But as the fight gets closer and they start having to do the media, uh, things are going to get super ugly. And that means dollar bills, man. Like that's, I think this is going to do very well. Um, I would like to see this card get, get something though. It needs just a one more to really put it over the edge for me to, to think this could be a potential mom card. You know, we talk about the mom card all the time. Is mom, you know, or your non-fight friends going to text me like, let's fight this week and what's going on. I don't think this, you know, I don't think Masvidal is that level of star where that's going to happen uh, now. Maybe just because of the particular circumstances of this beef with Colby, the UFC really can do a full court press on it. And I expect them to. Like I expect this to get the bulk of, of their promotion after 270. Um, I mean, I, I know 271 uh, one is out of Sonya Whitaker. I think that they may skimp on promotion for that. Uh, frankly, it's a rematch. I just, I'm not sure they're going to go whole hog into that. But I think they will put the full court press behind this. So maybe it gets to mom level. But if you could add one other really casually compelling fight to the co-main event spot, I think, I think that would put put this card over the edge for me because it's got a lot of decent fights for the hardcores and a lot of highly ranked competition but there ain't look I know uh, that men I am I butcher her name every time I'm sorry I know that that's wrong and Jessica I that's like two ranked um, flyweights I know that Zhao uh, Nan Marina Rodriguez may well determine a, a title challenger like that could easily be uh, a Uh, A number one contender bout, but there's nobody knows who any of those four women are. Like there's not a person outside of people who read MMA fighting every day who knows who those people are. So that's just not going to do it. Um, you, You need something else to play to play the second banana to that main event. I don't know what, but I hope they can juice it up just a little bit to make it a really really good card.
2: Yeah, I know as we record this right now, Aaron Bronsetter spoke with Dana White who, and, and this is just in a tweet, and maybe this changed by the time this this drops, but the plan was the card is locked and loaded except for the co-main event, which is being worked on right now. And I see everybody out there and they're saying it's got to be Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz. If it is, I would be stunned. I mean, completely and utterly stunned. There's, I, I would say 0.0001% chance that is the co-main event. So if you're thinking that's what it's going to be, it's not going to be that fight. Uh, I like, I mean, Edson Barboza versus Bryce Mitchell is a super interesting fight. Kevin Holland is such a personality. I know he's fighting Cowboy Oliveira, and that's not the sexiest fight of all time, but still, I mean, not a co-main. it's not a co main. It's not a co main. What do you do? I mean, do they, do they put a title fight underneath this? And what I say, the only one that would work here is Rose Nami versus Carlos Sparza. The timing would line up, and let's be honest. It's It stinks to put a title fight under a non-title fight. But at the same time, this would be a perfect co-main event for this card. Like, it's Rose is a decent star and has a good following. Carla, I think she's her fan base has grown a little bit since she got passed over for the title shot. But still, she's not a, a, a drawable figure. But if you want to get as many eyeballs on these two women as possible, you put them underneath this fight.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I want to go back... I don't think there's any chance that we get Poirier-Diaz, but we should. Like, that is, if the UFC were doing their jobs right, that is the card. And you don't have to put any other fights on that card. You make those two fights, those four individuals who have, at various times, all of them spoken shit about every other one of them, <laughs> except for poirier Masvidal. You know, they seem to be good teammates. But Poirier and Covington have had a... a very well uh recorded back and forth. Uh Covington and Nate Diaz Covington take shots at Nate Diaz all the time. Of course, Poirier Diaz and Mastrod, like all of that should just be on the same card to put those four men in a press conference and watch the magic happen. Like that that's what should happen. There's no chance that happens for a number of reasons. I don't think uh Nate or Dustin would be stoked about playing second fiddle to Covington to the Nate Moscow especially point. like I, I just don't think I, I think Nate especially would just be like no like he he would be willing to do you know he's willing to do that for title fights because if he's he's fighting for the Nate Diaz title he doesn't really care in that regard but I don't think a non-title fight he's gonna settle to be the the co-main that doesn't jive with with my impressions at all um but yeah I don't think it's gonna happen but god it should can you imagine how majestic it would have been uh, instead, I think you're probably right. To me, the Rose as far as a fight, we know that that fight is the one that's going to happen. Um, it's not going, that is not a fight that can headline a pay-per-view. People aren't going to pay for that largely. Um, the only other person I could think, uh, sort of off the top of my head is I, I could see Valentina Shevchenko doing a title defense, um, even with a quick turnaround, but there's also just nobody super well set up to face her. You could just kind of pick a name out of a hat, um, but it's it sort of feels broader that Chevchenko is just going to fight. Um, uh, I'm I'm blanking right now. Who Who Tate's dropping down and fighting Lauren Murphy? Yeah. Um, and it seems like Chevchenko is just going to fight Misha Tate after she beats up Lauren Murphy. So, uh, yeah, I think. I think you're probably right. They probably are targeting the uh, the uh Rose Asparza as rematch, and that's a totally fine. I think that's the extra bit of juice to really make this a, a really good, strong card, top to bottom.
2: Or they pull out a, a, a nice little rabbit, the return of Ioana Janjacek, and you do Yan Zhang Wei Lee too, on that card. But I know that's going to be a tough one, because Ioana isn't a fan of short-notice fights. She likes to be in a certain place for several weeks, but money talks, and... Uh, if they can pull that off, that'd be great. Um, in terms of, I could, go ahead. I could
3: also, I will also, I could see because it's in March. Um, I could see, though, I don't necessarily think this would happen. I could see that Brandon Moreno doing a quick turnaround. Um, you know, assuming he gets through Figueredo next weekend. If he does, if he doesn't, I could see either Moreno or or Figgy Smalls being willing to do a quick turnaround, maybe less so for Figueredo, just because I know it's a really tough weight cut for him. Uh, but it wouldn't stun me if, especially if it's a quick fight, if, if they don't take a huge amount of damage either way, I could see Moreno saying, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to turn this around and run it back with, uh, I don't know. I know that theoretically he should fight.
2: But not for well, Riga, the- Um, Pantoja. I know
3: theoretically he should fight the winner of askarov uh Care of France, but I don't remember when that's happening. I don't think that's happening for a while, but like
2: March, end of March, I yeah. think. Yeah, I
3: don't know. Brandon Roy is fighting this weekend. Like, you just run it back with the Roy Val boxer in Like, <laughs> wouldn't be great, but if you're just trying to get something else there, it wouldn't, it also wouldn't be horrible because there's not like that division has a, a contender coming, but who it's flyweight. No one cares if people get skipped over
2: at flyweight. Oh, dude, you, you know what? I, I, how do we miss this? The fight. You throw Hamzat on that card. Do the Hamza gilbert oh, yeah. Burns fight. That's the co-main event. What, what no, are we talking about we here?
3: It. Done. Forget everything. Can we edit this out? <laughs> everything else we said is useless. So you actually nailed it. That's um, the one. Yeah, that is that is absolutely the fight. Especially because then you get Nate Diaz. Or not Nate Diaz. You get Jorge Masvidal on a card with Hamzat. You get Colby and on a card with, with Hamza. And Colby. God, yeah, that's the fight. That, that's That's the fight we you just did
2: it. we just did it. it we fixed the pfl we're fixing bellator we kind of fixed the ufc and then we just fixed ufc 272 we just made it completely the card man we're good
3: can we fix it yes we can
2: <laughs> <laughs> man championship jed mishu is just it's just flowing <laughs> right now it's getting it's getting, Dude, getting that, everybody that up.
3: was all you i didn't even think of hamzat which is super dumb i totally should
2: have but we worked but it out it, Mike. we worked it out uh, last thing about this fight and then we'll move on The one concern I do have about this fight is sort of the aftermath of it all. Because in a way, this is a pretty risky fight. Because if Colby Covington goes out there and does what the odds makers and you and a lot of other people expect him to do. Which, by the way, Colby is a massive favorite right now. He's around a minus 350. The star power you've built with Mazdal, it really takes a hit. Because this is three losses in a row. I mean, if it's a barn burner and Covington wins a split decision, that's different. But on paper, Covington should win this fight doing, like you said, what Colby Covington does. Volume, wrestling, takedowns, etc. Mazadal has to land that big shot to win this fight, and he has to do it probably pretty quickly. That's on paper. So if Covington goes out and 50-45's or worse, stops him... That's a pretty tough pill to swallow. At the same token, if Moswell goes out there and starches Covington and obliterates him and knocks him dead in the first round, then Covington, love him or hate him, the guy does draw interest, he does draw numbers, the pay-per-view numbers for the MSG card did very, very well, and... I know the car was pretty stacked, but he takes a pretty big hit as well. Probably a bigger hit than Mazadal does. What do you think about that? Is the best case scenario, these two guys just go out there and beat the brakes off each other for 25 minutes and we get a a very close decision win for one of these guys?
3: I mean, that's always the best case scenario, but I think I just totally disagree with everything you said, Mike. Um, I think that this is a pretty low-risk fight. I view Masvidal a lot like bootleg Nate Diaz. Um, and as we all know, uh, wins and losses just don't matter to Nate Diaz. They, it's, it, it's just not part of the, the math like that. <laughs> X's and O's are not an ATS thing. It's about how you feel. And I think Masvidal is cut from a similar star star quality cloth. I think he can take losses and be fine moving through it. Um, I mean, hell, he took a loss to Usman and immediately got a title fight and nobody, I, a lot of people were upset by it, but no, none of the casual fans were upset by it. They're like, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Like, I like it. Uh, I, I think he is sort of above that, especially the way a loss probably looks for him here. He can do the tried and true. Well, you know, he just wanted to put his head between my legs and what a, what a loser. I'm actually the real man. Um, which is dumb and homophobic, but, you know, it's MMA, I guess. Uh, whereas for Covington, I think Covington is – I still don't know if Covington's a star. I, he draws interest, but I i don't – he doesn't – I don't think he draws interest because he wins. I think he's just – because it's not like he's fought a lot. Like, he's, he's fought like twice in the last five years or some absurd, not like, low number of fights. He draws interest because he says stuff. He just says things. <laughs> and win, lose, or draw, he's going to keep saying things. I mean, we all saw him. We have – there's video and audio evidence of him going up to Kamar Usman after the second fight and saying, it's all love. I was just selling pay-per-views, yada. Yada. And 20 minutes later, and I want to be clear, I respect the hell out of him for this. This is the only thing I respect (laughs) about Colby Covington. Is 20 minutes later, he walks backstage and is like, I won that fight. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I beat this guy 2-0. Like, this is nonsense. I clearly won the fight. Like, he just says things. And so, win, lose, or draw to Masvidal, he's just going to keep saying things. He will have an answer or a reason if he loses. And if he wins, then he gets to keep winning. Uh, I think – and it's also all of this is super mitigated, frankly, by the fact that neither of these dudes are close to getting a title shot. So there's – you can't hurt them because you're not building them to anything. They just are the entities that they are because a win doesn't get either man back to Usman, like five wins from both men get them back to a third shot at Usman. So I think it's totally fine. I think there's very little downside here. I think after this fight, uh, Covington has a ready-made battle with Dustin Poirier among others that he could take. I think Masvidal can probably run it back with Nate Diaz, depending on the Diaz contract situation and how that all plays out. Or he can, uh, you know, maybe finally fight Leon Edwards like they've been trying to do forever. I think there's a whole world of opportunity for both men after this regardless. But yeah, obviously the best answer is that this is a back and forth fight and while i think that Covington's probably going to win i've watched taper studied i will say that in that first fight against Usman on short notice mosdovalov was really really competitive in in a lot of respects and i don't know how well and usman is a better striker than covington like we've seen them fight we know that uh, i don't know covington is going to need to score takedowns and i'm sure eventually he will be able to get them but if he can't early he's going to have to eat some shots and it could be an interesting fight like there there are a lot of dynamics that could be fun here um but we'll have to see how it plays out i guess
2: yeah i mean covington striking improved immensely between the first and second Usman fights. You saw it in the second fight. He just he, he just got to weather the storm, and maybe he starts off quicker this time. We'll see, uh, but I agree with you. He's got to get the, probably get this fight down early, try to wear on Mazadal through the first two rounds, then he can open up with a striking, but we'll see what happens. That's UFC 272, March 5th, 305 in Las Vegas. Should be quite
0: interesting.
2: Uh, a roller coaster of emotions, if you will. But the following month, now we'll see Sterling Yan 2. Now we'll see Alexander Volkanovsky's next title defense. It will not be against Max Holloway, it'll be against the Korean Zombie. Holloway re aggravated a past injury. I'm told no timetable on his return, but. Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, gets the shot. And from all accounts, he was the favorite to get this fight from the beginning. This was the fight Volkanovsky and his team wanted from the beginning. Zombie and his team, of course, wanted it. There's a beef here that stems back a couple of years. And although everybody raised their hands. What's, the and, what's that? What's the beef? There was like some... Beef. There was some some words said. Zombie and Volkanovsky went back and forth. There were some silliness going on between the two guys, but there's a Man, little bit Tom of a beef. It's Tom not like
3: beef with a lot of folk, huh?
2: Yeah, this is just a just a little beef, you know, just a, a little competitive rivalry, if you will. And uh, so it was pretty much zombie and nobody else, despite everybody raising their hand. So you say, if you had the mighty pencil, this is how you would have drawn it up. Why do you feel that way?
3: I mean. Well, in part, and I'll be totally frank because I, I love the Korean zombie and I want good things to happen to him. <laughs> um, the more obvious and probably true answer is, I mean, it can't be Holloway because of the injury. We literally just saw Volkanovsky beat Ortega and Ortega hasn't even run back a win. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, competitive fight, but a pretty clear loss to Max Holloway. Um, and nobody else is on a win and kind of that highly ranked. Um, You know, if giga does get the win this weekend against Qatar, like uh calvin cater then i would say that he actually does deserve a in a vacuum would deserve a title fight over korean zombie but things this isn't a vacuum there's context and i like i said i don't want giga to go directly into another title fight on that kind of short turnaround i want him to have a full camp i want this to be a planned thing uh should he get there because he is an interesting guy and I don't. I don't like the idea of throwing. Uh, I guess it really boils down to this: prospects shouldn't get thrown into short notice title fights. Veterans who are maybe on their last run absolutely should. Like uh, Michael Bisping is maybe the greatest prime example of this, where he took a three week or however nine days. It was something super short for his title fight against Luke Rockhold, and that's exactly what you should do. Like otherwise, he's probably not going to earn his way to one. Um, on the merits, just because of how many wins you have to stack up, but he's got enough things break, right? Give it to the guy people know, and a guy who even in the worst case scenario, nobody will be upset that they get it. Like there's nobody who, other than Giga Chikadze who's going to be like, man, I hate that Korean zombies getting a title fight. No, like, hell yeah. I want to see that man fight, uh, Alexander Volkanovski because I want to see him fight anyone. Uh, to to steal a quote from our co-worker Jose young's I watched that man make a bowl of pudding. Uh so i am damn sure <laughs> watch him fight the featherweight champion. And I think for Volkanovsky it's an opportunity that otherwise he might not get. Um you know he's he's gonna get a chance to fight Giga. He's gonna get a chance to have a third fight with Holloway. But Korean Zombie is a relevant, important name in this division. A win over that will mean something to his legacy. And it is possible that if this one didn't happen, then he never gets that opportunity. I think it just makes all the sense in the world. And so it, it is very clear to me why he was the only runner in this particular race. And I think everybody got it right.
2: Yes, I have zero issue with this. If there is, and Giga, I'll get to in a second, because I agree with a lot of what you just said. Giga would have been third on my list. if If for some reason they couldn't get Zombie done, if you want to throw Josh Emmett in there, fine story, that's that's okay. His resume is, is good enough that it would make sense. He's on a streak and what a comeback story that would be after the all the injuries he suffered in the Shane Burgos fight, getting that win, coming back, getting a, a, a decision whatever Dan Ige after quite a bit of time on the sidelines with rehab. That would have been fine. Now, I saw so many people throw out the Giga thing. A lot of media members that were Singing the Jakadze song that were a part of the choir. You know, a of don't make it. Yeah, don't make this decision until Giga fights on Saturday. If he beats Calvin Cater, give him the fight. Okay, great. But I'm with you, Jet. Like, what is the freaking rush? If he beats Calvin Cater and Volkanovsky fights in March, now April. Chikadze still has two very big options ahead of him for later in the year, especially if he stops Calvin Cater, which no one has been able to do. In fact, no one in the UFC has even dropped Calvin Cater in a fight. He's not stopping
3: Calvin Cater. That's just not happening.
2: Yeah, if he does, like maybe lands a kick to the body or something and drills him that way. Max
3: Holloway rammed his fist into into Calvin Cater's head 900 times and he didn't fall down. Like, Giga's just not going to stop him. Right. He's probably going to—honestly, Giga's probably going to break his hands. So this is all probably a moot point anyway, because Giga's probably going to break his hands on Calvin Cater's ridiculously tough head, and then he couldn't have fought in March or April or whenever this card is. So it was all a waste of all of our times to pretend.
2: Right. And even if he wins, he gets either a title shot in his next fight, whenever that might be, or two— He might even get the Max Holloway fight himself. So, I mean, I understand Giga fans giving him the rub, but at the same time, like, what is the rush? Especially now with who is at the top of this division, with who is waiting in the wings, with who is on the way up. Like, we talk about 35 being very deep with talent, especially in the up and coming level. 45 is super rich in talent. There's a lot of very dangerous guys at 145 right now. If you're Giga Chikadze, if you're Giga Chikadze, you might only get one shot at this title. You might only get one shot. So why rush it? What's the big deal? Why why can't we wait six more months, Jed? Why does everyone have such an issue with this?
3: I think it is purely because on paper, if he beats Cater uh, on paper, he obviously deserves the fight more. And so that is just how people are viewing it. Um, but again, there's context. And in context here, I think Zombie is the clear and obvious choice and the only one that I when when the names came out I was like oh yeah that's the one you should do I don't I hope they don't do any of these others that would be dumb like let's just do the do the right one and they did everybody knew the right thing and they all went for it pretty clearly Um, I do wonder how Edson Barbosa feels right now because if he had beaten Chikadze I gotta wonder if he would have maybe been the guy here even with a fight lined up Barbosa, given his kind of historical relevance in the sport and the fact that he would have looked so good at featherweight, I could see, had he beaten Chikadze, um, he might have been the guy they opted for over Zombie. Um, but we'll never know now. And Edson Barbosa probably won't ever fight for a title now. Um, though he does get to fight. He's fighting Bryce Mitchell. It's He's on 272, actually, isn't he?
2: Yep, 272. Yeah.
3: Like that—that'll be a
2: fun fight. Absolutely, it's a huge test for Bryce Mitchell. It's the fight that he needs at this point to see if yeah. this, if he's the real deal. Now, obviously, this leads to another conversation in a bit with Giga Chikadze, But that card, two seventy three, starting to come together. It was supposed to be in Brooklyn. That is looking, is from all conversations I'm having, very unlikely at this point. No official location yet. I have heard Florida. I have heard Jacksonville specifically. Florida. I've heard Florida. Mike,
3: Mike, is it time?
2: A little. Uh, a little, little co coverage, dude. We got to do team it. Off the ropes? We got to do it. The, the little the oh heart clothesline. To do the heart clothesline. Oh
3: my goodness! This <laughs> would be the best thing ever. Who else is on that card? So I can know if it's any of the people I've talked mad shit about.
2: Uh, Garzino, oh, uh Sterling Yan. No. Uh, oh. versus uh, Martin Tabora just got added to that card. That's yeah, fine. What else we got? There's
3: not Stipe and there's not Brian Ortega. I'm,
2: I'm Arini <laughs> yeah. uh, so Aldana versus Asman Ladd. Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres, uh, Mickey Gall, Mike Mallet, Mike Malat. Uh, Kelvin
3: Gasplum is on it though. Yeah. <laughs> one of the co-captains of the Fail Upward All Stars. Um, but you know. <laughs> Be fine. Let's do it. This is going to be exciting. I hope it is Florida.
2: Ah, oh, that'd be amazing. What a preview show that's best. going to be. We find some some nice looking bay, and we we, we film it outside. That that would just nothing be amazing, is
3: but... nice looking in Jacksonville. So <laughs> we're not finding a nice looking thing in Jacksonville. <laughs> but if it's somewhere else in Florida, sure.
2: Yes, uh, I, I that was like the the leader in the clubhouse from what I've heard. But it's uh. I've heard Florida specifically is a target. I've heard Jacksonville, although that is not done yet. So keep that in mind. Not done yet. Don't be writing articles about this. But that, I know reports have already come out. I think we reported this earlier that that was the talk. But it could be in Vegas. Who the hell knows at this point? But should hell be fun. Yeah, this could be dope. The Jet and Mike on-site coverage team will be a, a very dangerous combination. But going to this event... On Saturday, it's the the UFC's first event of the year, and it has seen a lot of changes, and we'll get to those in in, in a minute, but this main event between Shikadze and Calvin Cater is really interesting, because this is literally almost a year to the day of that cater Holloway fight. I think it's the day before... I think that was January 16th last year. This fight's on January 15th. So literally 364 days prior to that, he lost to Max Holloway. Chikadze has just been on a tear right now. But a lot of people have been a little bit concerned about how Chikadze has handled this whole title fight situation because a lot of people feel like it's a little disrespectful to Calvin Cater, that he's somewhat overlooking Cater to to get to a title fight. And who knows? Maybe there's a part of him that still feels that if he goes out there and bolts Calvin Cater, he can knock to the Korean zombie out of this fight altogether and maybe get... The UFC has done things like this in the past. So, are you concerned... Like, if you're a Giga Chikadze fan, Jed Mishu, are you concerned that he is perhaps overlooking Calvin Cater, trying to get to that brass ring, so to speak? Or do you think this is just him being who he is?
3: Yeah, definitely not any, Not concerned. I mean, one, you don't... I mean, yeah, a lot of, lot of dynamics to a fight build up, but... Essentially, he's not overlooking him because he's done all the work for Calvin Cater a month and a half before this week, right? Like this stuff happening immediately before he's actually doing his least amount of effort in preparation for the fight other than cutting weight. Um, and, you know, cutting weight is mostly just doing th- suck, which afford you a lot of time to tweet or say things about other people. So I just don't, I wouldn't have any concerns at all about looking past Cater because I'm certain he put all of his time and energy and effort the last few months into preparing for this fight. Um, And I I think that if anything, this will just make him, it will add a little more fuel to the fire because I don't think, he can't push uh, TKZ out of this upcoming title fight. But I think some part of him probably will think, I need to make a statement and come and show out. And let's be clear, if he does and something, knock on wood, happens to a korean zombie over the next month and they need another replacement well then giga probably is that dude like if he goes and does it has a great showing here and he can turn around and the zombie fight falls through then giga's probably number one up there so i think it's only going to help him uh he's he's feeling a little more probably feeling a little more uh impetus to to really make a statement so wouldn't be concerned at all for him uh, at least in that regard
2: is this a main event that you would tell all of your loyal fans and championship listeners, stay home and watch this card because this fight's great? Or are you telling people, if you had your druthers, go out of the town, see your family, see your friends? We'll, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the card in a minute because we're going to have to go really low-key for the banger here considering all the changes that have been made. But there's still some interesting fights here, but would you tell people, hey, stay home, watch this fight, it's an interesting main event?
3: Well, uh, yes, eh, I don't know, it's tough. That would depend on the people. Uh, I'm really excited about this fight card for one really, really key reason, and it is we haven't had one in a while. And Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and so often, we talk about it all the time, so often there's just a fight card every weekend that you can't be excited about whatever middling main event and decent but unspectacular undercard fights that they're rolling out because... It's the middle of a 12 week stretch. That's just so much of it, but we've had a really long time off. It has been frankly, super nice getting to focus on some other things, enjoy the holidays with our families, but I'm excited to have the fight world kicking back into gear. I'm excited to get 2022 off to a start. And I personally really like the idea of having a fight card before the pay-per-view i I likened this earlier this week to this is a, a really great appetizer, and the main event, the first big meal of 2021, is next weekend with UFC 270. Um, and I, I, I like that. I like being able to not be super invested in this card, but still be interested enough. The main event's good. Uh, frankly, the co-main event is a, probably a more important fight if we're being honest. Although I know why I, I know why it's not a headliner fight, um, but it is it's two top five flyweights battling like that's just a more important fight than a you know two top 10 guys going at it um you know what talked about brandon royval earlier great fight like there are a number of solid bouts on this card even with all the late drop-offs so i guess i would i wouldn't say hey you need to make a point to stay home and watch this card but i would definitely say if you've got nothing else going on Um, and you don't want to watch the Patriots-Bills round three on Saturday night, you could do a lot worse than this. Although, Mike, the look you just gave me, I know which one of these things you're going to be watching on Saturday night, and I suspect it's Bill Belichick in a snow game against Josh Allen just scheming up multiple pick sixes. (laughs)
2: Uh, I will be watching both at the same time. Uh, I do have to cover the event, so I will be watching the fight closely. Uh, I will have the patriots game on the monitor here uh so it will be happening and by the way the co-main event as of right now is not that fight the co-main event is probably your people's main event it is jake collier versus chase sherman as of right now jen Bashu.
3: that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard (laughs) it wasn't
2: supposed to be this way i don't think why would it not be jakey Maya. i mean maybe maybe that'll change but i mean we had we had michelle uh P- Pahana was, yeah. Uh, Salakoff was the original co-main event, yeah, and, and then Andre Fialo was coming in, and then the fight got moved to another event, and we've had all these changes. Remember, Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan was supposed to be on this card too. What a great addition that would have been, but we're down to ten fights, and yeah, you know, you know, they they love throwing these low key heavyweight fights in the co-main event slot.
3: It's really dumb. I will say very briefly, shouts to the UFC, not for trying to do right, but for ultimately getting to the right answer. Ten fights, great fight number. That's another big check mark in the columns for this card. It won't take you 17 hours to watch it. Just a tight ten. Uh, But I would just love to be in the locker rooms. And just because at some point, Caleb Chikagian has to ask somebody, why the shit am I behind Chase Sherman? Like, what is (laughs) – I am the number two, like, according to the UFC rankings, I forget what she is in ours offhand, but I am dead certain that she's number two in the UFC. She's probably number two in ours, too, Um, because I know she's behind Shevchenko and Andrade. Uh, Let me pull up our rankings right now to figure this out. I think she's
2: number three. She's got to be.
3: Oh, yeah, because we count the champion as a one instead yeah. of as a separate thing. So, yeah, she's exactly. So, the same, she's the number three flyweight in the world, taking on, according to the UFC, uh, the number four or the number five flyweight in the world. And for <laughs> us, she, for, like I said, for us, she's number three and she is taking on, pulling it up, uh, the number six. <laughs> so, like, what, how is that better than, or, or worse than Chase Sherman, who isn't, who never has been, and never will be ranked against Jake Collier. Who I don't know. Maybe Jake Collier got snuck into the rankings. He's not. at Some point, but he's not now for sure. So like, Jake Collier is like one of those win-loss guys. He wins one, loses one at heavyweight against middling heavyweights. How is that? A, that's so dumb. Like, put your ranked fighters in the prime positions. Like. Or else just look the optics are terrible. God, it's some day one shit. I don't know what's going on. That bothers the hell out of me.
2: It's actually not even the featured bout either. Uh it's actually behind another flyweight bout, featuring ranked contenders as of right now. Bren Royval uh versus Hargerio Bontarian, which is gonna be a great yeah, fight, by the way. I love that sense. fight. That would have been that a great co-main, sh- man.
3: That fight should be, though, that should be the feature bout. That is obviously the feature bout. The co-main should just be the two highest ranked fighters on the card fighting. <laughs> like, I get it. You can't make Chikagi and uh, Maya the main event. Nobody will tune into that, especially with a Pats game on as counter programming. Not a soul is going to look at that against the Pats, a Pats playoff game. But it's totally and then, so it's totally reasonable to have Kato Chikadze, especially given that a Giga win may launch him to a title fight. Like it's very possible. But it just seems really obvious that it's supposed to go. Uh, Giga Chigate, Calvin Cater, uh, Chikegi Maya, and then Hoy Val And the rest of it kind of doesn't matter. Like, you mix the rest of it however you want. Personally, I'd have Charles uh, Rosa TJ Brown, like, on the main. But if they want to make that, like, the prelim main, cool. But I, the rest of it all seems really, really straightforward. I don't know what we're doing here.
2: Yes, it is a very strange card. Brian Kelleher versus Kevin Kroom should be a lot of fun at 145 pounds. It's going to be a big fat scramble fest uh but yeah i mean it is what it is this is this is what we get i like the 10 fights i think it's perfect uh before we get your actual official low-key banger i do want to talk about calvin cater a little bit because this is a big one for him he needs to win this one if he wants to stay somewhat relevant in this division because it's like we talked about earlier there's just going to be nothing but hungry lions on the way up we got the Mavzar Evloyev's of the world. we got the Ilya Teporiya's of the world and, and and so forth and so on. The Bryce Mitchell's of the world and just all these great fighters on the way up. We see Alex Caceres on a nice little winning streak right now. And, and the challenge is just going to get tougher for Calvin Cater. Who needs this one more? Because Jakadze's still a young guy. I'm not really a young guy, but he's he's got time. I feel like for Cater, I mean, it's, it's shit or get off the pot time. Like, if you want to get to that title fight and you were close... But that Holloway fight, it's you're going to have to win a couple more. Does this does Cater need this one more than Chikadze does, in your opinion?
3: I was about to say, they're the same age, so Chikadze can't be a young guy. He's in his he's in his 30s. Youngish
2: in his MMA career um, compared to Cater. He Kater.
3: is youngish in his MMA career. I mean, uh, I'm going to go with a controversial answer because the objective answer is, yeah, Cater uh, needs this more. Like he is, everything you said, he's in a more precarious position. I'm going to actually say that Chikadze needs this fight more. And for two really specific reasons that some people are going to be pissed off. Uh, sorry, Boston. I know you guys are going to hate me, um, but I'll live with it. Uh, the first one is Calvin Cater's is never going to get a title fight. And so he doesn't need this because he's not going to get that. That's not, that's just not in the cards for him. I think he is a incredibly fun fighter to watch a very good fighter, but he had to me has all the hallmarks of the guy who never gets his day in court. Um, I used to have a list, uh, this, this team used to be called for me, the Michael Bisping all-stars. And then Michael Bisping took a short notice fight and really shot all over my dreams. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Martin Campman like Martin Campman, was a guy who for almost a decade was a top 15 welterweight, and just never could get there uh because frankly he just wasn't good enough like he wasn't quite good enough to crack through he needed a lot of things to go right to earn a title shot and he never got ev- He he always was one break away and i view calvin cater extremely similarly i think calvin cater is a super good fighter but he has lost against the when he has faced the top, top guys in the sport, he has lost to them. Zabit Magomed Sharapov, Max Holloway. I know that Zabit fight was a, a competitive-ass fun fight, but he lost it. Max, he got slaughtered in. Um, you know, it's. I think that he just has that ceiling. So if he's, I don't think he necessarily needs this fight because like, I just don't think he's ever getting to a title fight. And again, I'm sorry if I'm offending people. I do not mean that as disrespect to the man because I have a great amount of respect for his skills, but I think that if he had a window, the window's closed. And similarly, that's why I think Giga needs this. If Giga has a window, it's really soon. I don't like I said, I don't think it's he needs to take it right now, but I think he needs to win this fight and either get a title fight or get a title fight with one more win this year. Because one forty five is Arguably the deepest division of emerging talent. Um, I have said forever and will say forever that 155 is the best division in the sport because it is. Don't I honestly don't even think it's close. But 145 is has so much young talent coming up, and it's already littering the rankings. Like it's just going to be hell to to work through that over the next couple of years. I mean, you've got the um, you've uh, who, who the hell did you just say? block um, because he had COVID.
2: Teporia. Well, we got Evloyev. Like,
3: you, uh, Evloyev was who I was thinking of. Yeah, Tupor, but Teporia. Um, Arnold Allen. Well, Arnold Allen, who I think I think the world of Arnold Allen. I think that dude is. He he's not getting the the heat because he's kind of boring. But man, is he effective? Yair Rodriguez seems to really be coming into his own. Um, you know, Bryce Mitchell developing uh CDQCF, like you've just got a ton of Leron Murphy killers.
2: is another guy. Yeah.
3: Yep, like it's just it is a nonstop pile of of young, hungry people coming up. And and so in the same respect, like the reason I want Korean zombie to get a title fight is I don't think he's gonna get one just because of that. And so I feel Giga's in a a not the same but related position. He needs one soon. So he needs this win because the loss here, I'm he that may set him back from ever getting it just because of how much he's gonna have to work through. Whereas the same holds true for Cater. A loss here probably effectively ends his title ambitions. I just think he should have less title ambitions or title title fight ambitions than Giga
2: should, frankly. It's a very respectable answer, Jed. And the way you preface that, I thought you were gonna say you're gonna put him in the steep A. category of He's just not good at fighting. But you were very respectful there, so I don't think Boston can be mad at you. No.
3: He, Calvin Cater is obviously really good at fighting. I just think he's – he – I also – I liken him – he is a, a overachiever to me. Like I think he has maximized his skills, which we do not give nearly enough credit in this sport to people like that, like the Forrest Griffin, Michael Bisping's guys who are not overly athletic or overly talented but who just worked their asses off and made the most out of everything they did have i think calvin cater's absolutely in that camp the problem is that camp is mostly filled with guys who don't get title fights like guys who because they're working so hard they get close but they don't ever get there and if they do get there it's because something broke, right? Bisping, Bisping got a Bisping got a title fight because dude got Uh, Weidman got injured like two weeks before a title fight, and he just fit the bill. Forrest Griffin got a title fight because he won one fight. He he beat Shogun, and they gave him a title fight off of it. But otherwise, he probably was not never going to work his way there. And so, unless Cater gets that kind of break, I just don't think it's going to happen for him. Uh, but that's not to say he's a bad fighter man worked his ass off he's really really good but there are levels
2: there's a lot going on in the in the heck household right now uh low-key banger the official low-key banger what you got
3: the official low-key banger uh let's take a gander here because i have one in my head but i just want to make sure i'm not missing anything and i'm not it's it's very obvious charles rosa tj brown i think that's pretty clearly the low-key banger for me. Um, Charles Rosa is awesome. <laughs> just straight up. Dude is in a ton. Also a Boston guy. So love me, Boston. Sorry. Don't don't take what I said about Calvin back. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's had I, a number of fight-of-the-night performances. Honestly, don't remember off the top of my head. Um, he's just he's tough as shit and gives as good as he gets, so he's always in a good scrap. Uh, And then I know that coming in on short notice is maybe not like optimal, but I totally believe that given the type of fighter he is, that won't take away from the, his entertainment level of this fight, he's going to come in and just scrap. Uh, And TJ Brown is TJ Brown's UFC career. Hasn't been that exciting um, in a lot of ways. It hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been the best, but man, before this guy got into the UFC, he was, super exciting. On the regional circuit, RFA LFA, um he was getting he was snatching up submissions, he's knocking dudes out. Uh like he he was a really good finisher in the regional chain. He ha- that hasn't quite converted in the UFC, but he still has the skills to put together a really fun scrap. And yeah, I think this one's pretty obvious, frankly.
2: Yeah, that's a good fight. I'm going uh, a little more I mean, it's it's on the main card, I believe, but still not a fight a lot of people are talking about. Uh, Joe Anderson Brito versus Bill Algeo is just going to be ridiculous. What a tremendous fight that's going to be! Debut for Brito; he's won eleven fights in a row.
3: Hey, I've uh, never seen Brito fight. Tell, tell me, tell me a paint me a word picture of Joe Anderson Brito.
2: Uh He's a tornado of chaos, and it happens everywhere. Whether it's on the mat, on the ground, I know his contender series fight ended like with the technical. Decision in the third round, there were like eye pokes and things like that. But uh, this dude is a murderer. A lot of first round finishes. Uh, I fought, He's before the contender series fight, absolutely bolted uh, Jose Mariscal in like forty five seconds with just straight leather. This dude is super fun. And Bill Algio is tall and lean and lanky and likes to get in scraps. So these two, are, it's it's gonna be like it's gonna be like uh, what's that damn. What damn it? What's that? What's that Looney Tunes character that's always like Tas going to the start? Yeah, Tasmanian Devil. It's gonna be like a couple Tasmanian yep. Devils. It's just gonna be clouds of smoke and dust and dirt and blood and guts just flying around the octagon. And it's the small octagon too, which is gonna make it even more fun.
3: Always makes it better.
2: Yes. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, last thing I wanted to do before we said goodbye here on this roundtable edition is AK and I did our on to the next one predictions extravaganza and one thing we forgot to really talk about uh with our year end predictions was who our male and fighter male and female fighter of the year predictions would be for 2022 Uh, i sort of mentioned one of mine but i think i might have to change it just based on how i think this year is going to play out so i wanted to get your take on this jed who who do you feel will be the female fighter of the year at the end of this year of our lord 2022
3: uh, female fighter of the year is maybe the easiest one you could have asked, or the e- certainly the easier of the two, but of any kind of hypothetical of the year. It's Valentina Shevchenko, and I I don't know why you'd put your money anywhere else. Um, she's going to still have the belt by the end of the year. There's not a universe in which she doesn't. Um, and the way this year is shaping up, she seems overwhelmingly likely to me that she's going to fight Misha Tate, She's going to beat up Misha Tate, which is going to be a really good win for her, um, both in the present day and historically. Like, that's just a win that really, really matters um, for her kind of legacy and career. Uh, And then after that, like, she'll she'll, she'll certainly defend her title at least once more. I would venture a guess that uh, Tyler Santos is kind of that second woman in there that gets a crack at her because it'd be something new and different. Um, unless I'm forgetting something about it, but Santos coming off really good performance over Joanne Wood who top ranked kind of fighter in the division. So if it's just those two wins, that's honestly probably good enough to win fighter of the year. Cause those are going to be better wins than anybody else gets. The only person who could be a contender in my mind would be Rosnama Yunus. Um, who could theoretically beat Esparza and like Marina Rodriguez or something like that. And those would be good wins. But I think I suspect Shevchenko will look more dominant. Uh, and Shevchenko probably Casey, Casey Lydon, our our colleague brought this up after the, after we did our voting for fighter of the year this year. And Shevchenko did not get the love she probably deserved, um, from all of us. And I, I, in hindsight, I think he's right, because I think realistically the reason we didn't give her she wasn't up near the top for us this past year was just because the expectation is that she's going to beat the shit out of people. And that's not fair in 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 the context. It really should just be quality of wins. Um, and she's had as, as good and as dominant wins as anybody this past year. So she per- should have been in con- contention this past year, and she's definitely going to get it this year, I think.
2: Yeah, so I was torn between two. My initial pick was who I believe will be the strawweight champion at the end of the year. I think it will be Marina Rodriguez. So that was my initial pick. She goes out, beats John John on, wins the title. She gets fight of the year, in my my opinion. Maybe she gets the title defense. But then I thought about it more and going to the championship predictions. I, I'm i going with Valentina as well. And the reason why is I she's think gonna she's going to end, end the year two titles, honestly. Yeah. I mean, so
3: if she fight, if she goes, beats up Misha Tate, beats up Talia Santos, uh, takes the bantamweight belt, she is clearly the best. Like she, it's not, it's not even a conversation. And I think that run cements her probably as the women's goat in my mind. Like I know that Amanda Nunes has that title um, and I think deserves it. But look, uh, if, if Shevchenko puts together that run, I, I don't know that I could call anyone else better than her ever as a woman in this sport.
2: <sighs> yes. I, and I think Juliana Payne is going to beat Amanda Nunes in the rematch. And mm. I think coming
3: over, come I, over to the dark side, Mike. Yep. And,
2: I, and, and I think it. Val, and I think, uh, Valentina will fight Julianna Payne by the end of the year. Cause Julianna is going to call for it. And I, I, be careful what you wish for sometimes because you just might get it and you might get that Chevy train just coming rolling in. Uh, male fighter of the year. This might be a little more difficult for you, sir.
3: This is super difficult, mainly because I think for male fighter of the year, well, one, there are obviously a lot more men to make it more uh, more difficult, but it's, it's really going to depend, I think, largely on how frequent these guys fight because I think that the male fighter of the year is going to need to have Two, like two wins um, and probably three. Like two is, is the minimum barrier of entry. I think it's probably going to need three. My sort of initial reaction, I wanted to say Islam Makachev because I think he's going to run through Darius and then run through uh, Oliveira or Gaethje, whoever has the belt, and then maybe get one more defense at, at the end of this year. Um, but I think... I think I'm going to do it, Mike. I don't want to do it because, and you're going to know why I don't want to do it because I hate it. I'm just going to say John Jones. John Jones is, because he has the story behind him. I don't think John Jones, whatever this year beholds for him, I don't think it's going to be as impressive in a nuts and bolts standpoint as guys like. Alexander Volkanovsky, if Volkanovsky defends his belt three times this year, I think that that's probably the best. Like that's probably actually the best person who fought this year. But I don't think there's a guy who has a better story for this particular year than if Jones finally does come up to heavyweight and he answers all the questions and he beats Ciro Gan or Francis Nganu And then he defends against Stipe Miacic. Like he only needs those two wins, and everybody's probably just saying, "Yeah, this is John Jones, greatest fighter of all time, fighter of the year." Uh, and I think that that those are both really possible outcomes for him. So, I will I'll put my money in a maybe riskier category, but give me John Jones.
2: I like it. I like it a lot. I believe John Jones will be the heavyweight champion by the end of the year. So that is a, a good pick. I think. Volkanovsky is a very good option here. I think this is the year that he sort of gets his due because he's just going to be cleaning out a lot of these contenders. Um, but I'm going with... I'm, I think I said this on the Prediction Show, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. I know you're thinking it's not Hamza Chemaev. Oh, come on. But you might like this better. I know our colleague Sean Elshadi will en- oh. will enjoy this pick even more. Oh, you're gonna do we it. we were talking crazy about... Crazy. Listen, 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 listen. We said... You know, we talked about 2021 being a year full of feel-good stories, right? And what better story would there be if at the end of the year, with the UFC Bantamweight title on the line, possibly in a rematch with a guy that everyone considers as an absolute murderer in this division, maybe the best fighter in the world, that the legend, the former featherweight champion, Brazil's own, Jose Aldo Jr., captures the Bantamweight title at the end of the year because... That is what I'm predicting is going to happen. That Jose Aldo will end the year with glory for all of us. And with that, if Jose Aldo... But the conversation ends. If Jose Aldo wins the Bantamweight title, he's the fighter of the year. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It doesn't matter who comes back and wins whatever fight against whoever fighter. If Jose Aldo wins the Bantamweight title, he's the fighter of the year. Therefore, Jose Aldo is my fighter of the year. My prediction. Bold prediction. Very bold, but I'm going with it.
3: I love that so much um, <laughs> because, as as you know, I am one of the biggest Jose Aldo fans that there is. I, I maintain firmly that he is actually the greatest fighter of all time, not named George St. Pierre. Um, and if he does that, I think him and George can start having a conversation about who's better. Uh, he, God, that would make me happy. And you're you're absolutely right. There's no other. Out- if he does that, there's no world in which he isn't the fighter mm-hmm. of the year. I thought you were about to be a true wild man and go with Glover Teixeira to, to to do it because I know that you have a, a love and a belief in Glover over Yuri Bereshka, Um which would also be a feel good story if Glover at 47 or whatever ancient ass <laughs> age that dude is comes out and comes out and just keeps the belt. It would be incredible, but. I love Aldo so much. I I want you to be right. I've never rooted for anything more.
2: I, I picked Teixeira to end the year as the light heavyweight champion. Uh, I just don't know if he'll be active enough to be fighter of the year. Uh, I actually left it as there's two options. Either he's the champion or there will be no champion because he will retire as champion. So mm-hmm. I think he beats, I think he'll beat Bohovic and, not uh, I think he'll beat Prohashka in just this crazy upset. And he'll probably fight Alexander Rakic or something, and he'll uh yeah.
3: You you have almost sold me on the set. upset. Uh, when Sean and I were doing our uh, predictions for this year that we wrote about on the site last week, um, I I had to steer away from picking Yuri, um in one of these just because it was like you know Mike has sold me. That's dangerous, and so instead <laughs> I just, I still just can't believe in Glover. Um, so instead I went with who I actually probably is the best light heavyweight in the world from like a, if they fought tomorrow, who would my champion be? Uh, Makhibane Akalayev. I, I think he probably actually is the best light heavyweight. I just don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to do that, but it would be dope if Glover still was. Like, that would be
2: incredible. It would be, and hopefully the year ends in my fashion because then it would just be chock full of positivity and feel-good stories. So.
3: Man, I want all of your people to win. I want Shevchenko to have... Obviously, I'm literally the leader of the Valentina <laughs> Shevchenko fan club. I want her to have all the belts. I want her to get the 145 strap, too. Because, <laughs> because we deserve to have a triple champion, and it deserves to be the greatest fighter we've ever seen, who's Valentina Shevchenko. So, I want all the things you want to happen, Mike. You've made great choices.
2: Uh, well, we'll see what happens. But the the year begins... On Saturday, UFC Vegas 46. Calvin Cater will look to set the table for his New England Patriots. Taking on Giga Chikadze, who will have no vested interest in the NFL playoffs whatsoever, one would gather. So that's going to do it this week for BTL. I will say this, although this is not confirmed at this point. However, the plan would be for Jed Mishu's title defense to happen next next week against the Boogie Woman herself. Phoenix Carnivale. Right. I think the schedules might be able to line up. And we have a pay-per-view event coming up the first one of the year. So what better time to go back to a live video and to live competition than a championship match between two of the go- – the, the, a goat versus goat battle. Who is the ultimate goat of BTL? And uh, if that does happen, what would you like to say to uh, Miss Carnivale? Jed, what, what's the what's the final message before we say goodbye?
3: My final message is that, you know, at the start of this program, I intentionally didn't say anything about being the BTL champion because I'm not. And unlike Aljamain Sterling, who is the deserved Bantamweight champion, but then pretended he wasn't, but then also was, he had a very very conflicted internal struggle about whether he deserved to be the champion or not uh, after he won it. And he totally shouldn't have. He should have been flouting being the champion. He absolutely deserved it. I don't have any such struggle because I'm not the champion. The champion is Phoenix Carnivale. I beat some bozo named Alex Lee. Um, that guy doesn't matter. He's not important. Uh, I think he's gonna, he's gonna have a battle with some other dude named New York Rick, who I've known for a little bit, but I mean, come on, what is that guy doing? So I know who the champion is the champions the woman who's never lost her belt in the ring. And we're going to fix that. Uh, I got nothing but respect for Phoenix uh, right now, but next week, if if the if the gods deem it to be the time, I will have nothing but bars for her—hot, hot, hot bars—and we'll see who's best.
2: <laughs> I mean, so much momentum right now—it's going to be hard to to slow this train down. So we'll see what happens. There is
3: a lot of good things that have happened in my life over the last month. I am I am riding a high of momentum. <laughs> phoenix watch the hell out
2: <laughs> yeah hopefully she, and you i don't think she's performed to her best the last couple of times perhaps there's just uh some distractions but we'll see we uh we will see but until then everybody thank you for listening thank you for checking out the program we got lots of other programs to get you ready for ufc vegas 46 we got the preview show coming up on friday we got the post fight show on saturday AK and i are back with on to the next one on sunday and then Ariel Hawani, I'm sure, will be talking to some of the tastemakers, some of the big names coming off of that event on the MMA Hour. So until then, for Jed Mishu, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast
0: Network. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co/bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.